0: Talk 1110-993-WBT. Hour number three underway. The phone number 704 570 wbt 1110 They are now on the fifth ballot. The fifth ballot for U.S. Speaker of the House. Voting is proceeding. And uh, right now, it's again, Hakeem Jeffries, Democrat from New York. The votainer at 38. Kevin McCarthy. At 31, Byron Donald's renominated. He has five, which I think that is enough now to uh, derail McCarthy. I think maybe one more. I think he can lose five. No, I think it's five. Yeah, so it's already over. And so now we just have to wait for another, like, 400 votes to get, or, you yeah, 350 votes to be cast. Uh, so it looks like McCarthy's going to lose on the fifth round as well. Um do, 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 do I got a couple of messages here. We got one from Robert who says they should install some uh Dominion voting systems to help speed up the process, then they can explain why there are more votes cast than members. Uh <laughs> 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 oh, good one, Robert. Um and there was this one from William. He says, I think that they should label the president because you could vote. Present. You you can vote for the candidates that have been nominated. So you you know Jeffries, McCarthy, uh, Byron Donalds. I don't know why I keep wanting to call him Bryson. Um, Byron Donalds. So you got those three, and then you could also vote present. So you're not going to vote for any of them, but you could vote present. And so Williams says, Pete, I think they should relabel this vote, the present vote, as the Pete vote, because as you see, it does send a clear message. And then the Pete vote can move into the votainer position. Uh, Yeah, that's fine. I'm all right calling the uh, uh, vote uh, vote present. The Pete vote. I'm all right with that. Um, Let's see here. This is from LL. If this is how the Republicans intended to impress their base and independents to vote for them in the next election, they better hope voters have a short attention span. They delivered less than expected in the 2022 elections and now this poop show for the speakership. They are demonstrating that they cannot organize themselves, much less organize opposition to a leftist agenda. Oh, that's a good point too. Ah! See, this is like it's this is like the uh it's like the debate over content moderation and whether we need new legislation, you know, to to rein in uh, was it section 230 and the internet stuff like I, I literally was—I was, I was p- part of a panel discussion on this topic, and they had someone from, I think, Heritage, and somebody from—I forget the other organization. But and they would and they disagree. They were both conservatives. And they disagreed. They were both subject policy experts. And every time one of them would speak, I'd be like, "Yeah, I think I agree with that person." And then their opponent would speak, and I'm like, "No, I think I agree with them now." <laughs> they both made very compelling arguments. They were so persuasive. Um I believe the North Carolina GOP has done well and has accomplished much, but at the national level the GOP is a complete embarrassment. Lord help us. Um so that's an interesting uh that's an interesting take. Do you agree with that? That this is now going to turn people off? I think at some point it does. I'm not sure if it does right now. I've heard uh like there's a concern that Constituent services are going to start faltering because people aren't going to be able to get stuff done because there's there's going to be this this body that isn't formally organized. And so when this starts impacting people directly, it's going to be a problem. I've also heard that this was uh, predictable, that the uh, the Republican leadership knew that this was going to happen. And that's why they rammed through the omnibus in the Senate. That's why they did it was because they knew that this is what is in store for us for the next two years over on the House side. And so they just went ahead and did it so as to avoid the the political damage. I don't I don't present these things to tell you that I know any of these theories to be true. Look, if I believe something, I'm going to tell you this is what I believe. I will tell you that. But but likewise, if I don't have uh, enough intel and information to know exactly what all of the moving parts are and to kind of see it, then I'm. I'm just going to tell you, like, these are the angles I'm seeing. And we can all kind of decide what we're looking at. Um, Representative Andy Biggs uh, posted on Twitter, George Washington did not want to become president. George Washington did not want to attend the Philadelphia Constitutional Convention. He eventually changed his mind on both. Perhaps the best person for House Speaker is not someone who wants it so badly. Um... And I think that that's – I think that there's some that, – that's fair. There's value to that. And theoretically, in a perfect world, I think that that is something that would be really good. But on the other hand, there are a lot of people that don't want a gig that I would not want to put in that position. <laughs> I, there are a lot of people like, I don't want to do that job. No, no, you're going to do the job. Well, you can't make me do it well, right? That's the, you're you're counting on somebody's moral character to rise to that occasion to say, okay, this is obviously not what I want to do, but all of these people want me to do it. But here's the other problem with that, is that we haven't seen anybody rise to the occasion. We haven't seen anybody, we haven't seen the field cleared. And maybe that's what I kind of, that's why I asked Dan Bishop last hour, and, and he kind of, he kind of indicated that, you know, somebody will emerge. And I got the sense that, Somebody isn't emerging right now, only because Kevin McCarthy is in the way. And once he steps aside, then it frees up people to now make their candidacies or intentions known. And maybe, it, maybe it's not even McCarthy. Maybe they got to wait for Steve Scalise to to lose a bunch of rounds. Maybe they got to wait for whoever's next after that. I don't know. No, they don't tell me all of their uh, their plans ahead of time. Try as I might, I keep asking them. Uh, Pete, if uh, McCarthy doesn't reach the 218 mark, will he then become the non-votainer? Just asking, since you are a giver. That's fair. That's fair. He is. I think we may need a new word, so we could say votainer, or we could say the unvotainer, or the untainer. How about that? The un the untainer. <laughs> As an <it> unattainer? <laughs> like you failed to attain. The office you sought, you're the untainer. So there's the vote tainer who finishes first, or second, third, and fourth, like in uh if it's an at-large race. Like, for example, Charlotte City Council. Uh they have four at-large seats. Don't worry, everybody, that isn't changing anytime soon. I watched that city council meeting last night, so you don't have to. And an hour-long debate over how they plan to turn themselves into career politicians. I mean, I mean, how to promote democracy. How to improve democracy. Because improving democracy means you are called to serve. You get called to serve. And so being called to serve means that you should be paid, I don't know, maybe eighty to $150,000 a year. You shouldn't have to re- run for re-election for, you know, four years and you should stagger the terms. And by staggering the terms, you can't get rid of all of the bums at once. Oh, and no, we're not going to actually work to balance the districts to accurately reflect the... the. Uh, the voters as represented by voter registration in the city of charlotte let's not get crazy i mean although that was the original reason to do it of course right the original reason to look at this uh, the changing of the way charlotte city council governs itself was because there were people that were like hey the at large system is you know rooted in racism and that was what braxton winston said he's an at large member i know i'm going down i, I actually i've got the audio on i'm going to do this tomorrow because i'm i i don't have enough time to to do it today, to go and drag people the requisite distance they need to be dragged over this. But let's just say there's no plans to dismantle the racist patriarchy that the Democrats, uh, now that Democrats control it. See, that's the thing about racist patriarchies. They're all okay if the right party controls them. <laughs> right? That's the lesson here. Right, And, and the addition of a district... To create now, instead of seven districts, we're going to have eight districts inside city limits, plus four at large, which represents the whole city. And they're all complaining about the workload, so they want to throw in another district. So we throw in another district so to reduce the the load, uh, the workload on them. I mean, not the at large people because they still have the total city. But the idea was to reduce the at large membership, to reduce those seats, make more districts because districts and smaller districts lead to better government because smaller districts mean more accountability directly to your neighbors, to the people that are sending you to the office. And you are more likely to be in tune to their concerns and you have more of a focus on core essential services because those are the things that actually most people in the district care about. Fixing the potholes, uh, fixing the sidewalks, uh, fire station, police, that sort of stuff. But no, no, they're just going to add another seat, just add one more district seat, which I'm sure totally won't be a Democrat. So now you're going to have a 12-member body? Well, now you're going to have tie votes. Oh, and guess who gets to vote in the, uh, to break a tie? That's right, the mayor. So it's a mayor empowerment bill. And then there was even some discussion last night of, do we even really need the voters to decide on any of this? Let's just do it ourselves yeah so that's the too long didn't read version i'll we're oh you're gonna want to hear the audio I'll do it tomorrow though because I gotta have time to i got uh, because they went so late last night it was like a six hour meeting it's like ten o'clock at night or something so um and I get up at five thirty so anyway, I'll pull the audio uh, and we'll do that tomorrow <laughs> News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The phone number is 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. We're monitoring the uh, Speaker of the House vote. We spoke with Congressman Dan Bishop. He is one of the holdouts against Kevin McCarthy, one of the anti-McCarthyites, as I'm calling them, or I guess the, the never-Kevins, but I kept trying to <clears throat> say that yesterday, and every time I tried to say it, I kept saying never-Trump. So <laughs> and that's not fair because they're not... Um, Let's see. So right now we are at Kevin McCarthy, 136, Hakeem Jeffries, 130, 131, and uh, Byron Donald's now at 13. Um, got a couple of messages here as well. I've got some uh, phone calls. So let me first read this one real quick. This is from Jan. I believe it's a valid point to be leery of anyone so, who so openly wants power. That is actually one of the main reasons why I ended up voting for Donald Trump. It's the only reason, actually, I voted for Trump in 2016. Hillary Clinton's naked lust. Oh, oh. Dude, <laughs> what? Why? Her lust for power, which she exhibited for decades, warned me that she is the last person who would actually have power. It didn't hurt to know that the left uh, leftist media would crawl all over and through him looking for something to complain about. Alright, uh, let me go over here to Jimmy. Hello, Jimmy. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey there, Pete. Hey, what's up?
1: It's just... It, it seems to me... You know, when I, you know, I was kind of a novice on political stuff and kind of slowly kind of learned... You know, it seems to me it, it started off, you know, Republicans versus Democrats, and now it's conservative Republicans versus rhinos and Democrats, and now it's the uniparty versus, you know, the uniparty and the rhino Republicans and the Democrats versus the conservatives. And yeah, it seems like one side's getting bigger while the other side is just getting smaller.
0: So, okay, right. I know that's what it probably might seem like because of uh, the, the way stories are covered, but there, you are correct. There is a massive realignment of the political parties happening right now. That's what we're witnessing, right? So we don't know where this goes. We don't know what this looks like 10 years down the road, right? Parties are always evolving and changing. And so um, they're going to, and what happens is, we talked about this a couple of uh, weeks back where you, uh, you've got in a coalition party, you've got different groups that are jockeying for power inside of the party. And as one uh, becomes sort of the lowest on uh, that ladder, they're going to look to the other party to see if they can make some inroads over there. And so and so that is happening, right? That's so you you got the, you know, the quote, quote, rhinos that are going to work with the with Democrats or bureaucrats and the deep state and whatever. Like they're going to they're going to empower themselves that way. But what happens then at the bottom of that ladder, those folks are going to start looking at other parties to represent them. It's actually happening on the other side too where you're seeing a migration of Hispanic voters and black voters over to and Asian voters over to the GOP. You're starting to see that as well. This is what I mean. There's a, a realignment. There are all these different groups and they're all starting to to move around a bit because their interests are not being uh, are not being advocated for and you've got uh, the rise of populism, uh, populism right uh, that Donald Trump helped to usher in um and magnify i think probably more than the tea party did so yeah i mean you're not you're not wrong to see these divisions occurring um but that's because there's a realignment
1: it, it just seems to be one side getting just ganged up on and Everybody else is on this other side, and they all have, you know, the similar niches or whatever, and it just, it seems like, it seems to be quite unfair, but I guess it's just the way things are. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, you know, people say politics is downstream of the culture, right? So, the what... What people believe, and this is the, the this is sort of the, the neo-Marxism, Antonio Gramsci view, the long march through the institutions where you take over the culture, and then the politics follows because you have to convince the society that the 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 Marxist view on things is the correct view, and you do that through the culture, and um, and so yeah, like the, those institutions have been controlled by the left for a long time, absolutely, and uh, and so there's that there's that fight to fight right but then also inside of the political realm you've got power that corrupts you've got people that have been there for a very long time you've got fundraising that occurs and uh, there's a ton of money flowing you know uh, through these parties and through their packs and stuff so I mean there there's a confluence of of all of these these factors um that, does, and this, you know, that doesn't mean that everybody is influenced by the same things at all at the same time. So that's why I say I'm, just, I'm watching the realignment. I'm, I'm watching to see where these factions develop. Maybe this is the beginning of one that we're watching right now. And this turns into something that eventually in our lifetimes ends up becoming a dominant faction. That could happen. So, uh, Jimmy, I appreciate the call, buddy. Thank you. Let me go over here to Tara. Welcome to the show. Tara, how are you?
2: Hey Pete. Hey. So I like the realignment. I think that it would be very sad. I think one bad thing about politics is everybody just becomes a sheep and they just follow. Oh, you said this. We have no division. We have no voice. And I think finally the Republicans are saying, no, we're not going to put up with this. We want to get this done. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit like Donald Trump did. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't mind it. At I all. think.
0: Yeah, I think that there's I think it's
2: a funny what the how the Democrats are playing us when they're. They're the ones who just follow yeah. everything.
0: Well, and look, there's a very pragmatic and, and human uh, element to this as well, which is when you get to a new job, right, and you want to make a good impression with your colleagues and that sort of thing, you want to do the job well and all of that, but you also want to keep it, right? I mean, I, people are trying to, to do good stuff. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They're there for you know whatever right reasons they've got in their mind. They want to make change, do good things, and they want to stay there so they could do more good things. And if you get there and people are like, hey, this is how you stay, this is what you need to do, and this is how it runs, and I'll teach you how this works, it's very easy to just accept that guidance, that mentorship, if you will.
2: Well, I think what happens many times is they get there and they're overwhelmed To yeah. the new ones, that, oh my gosh, I have to go with this person or I'm not going to be here. I I like people standing up for themselves. I cannot stand just the whole mantra of, I would love to see the talk walking with the walk, Mm -hmm. all politicians across the board. And I'd like a big flush at some point, because the following and the doing and the agenda, we've lost touch of what are you there for? And you're there for us, but they've lost that because they're there for them.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's what Kevin McCarthy is at risk of conveying to everybody right now. I think that that's a real problem for him is that at some point he can't get the votes and it looks pretty clear that he is just in it for the power for himself. And uh, I think that is a turnoff for a lot of people when it becomes so brazen. Tara, I appreciate the call. Talk 1110 ninety nine three wbt Looks like they're coming close to finishing the fifth ballot for U.S. Speaker of the House. Jeffries at 208, the votainer. McCarthy at 192, the untainer. And others is uh, listed as uh, 19, but that's actually uh, the congressman from... Uh, Florida Byron Donalds with 19 votes. So that's as it stands right now. I got uh, speaking to Stan. Here is an email from Stan who says the process we are watching play out on the house floor right now is exactly what the founders had in mind as this is better than settling individually in the streets and neighbor- settling it individually in the streets and neighborhoods, which is what will surely happen if this process fails. I'll come back to that. It's also why they gave us the second amendment in case all the legal remedies like this to redress our grievances with the government were to fail. So I say this all the time for people, and it's related to another axiom of mine, which is if you don't like politics, reduce the size of government. Okay. Because that's the reason why we have politics. Because politics is how we settle disagreements at a policy level when people's you know, rights or desires and wants and interests when they intersect, and they, you have to make decisions. And how are we going to govern? Because like, you're if you're by yourself, right? There's no government for you. It's just you. When you run up with someone else in, in the middle of the wilderness, you know, and you're dragging your your big caveman club behind you, you know, and you oh, run into somebody. You need a way to navigate that. And if you don't have any way to navigate that any set of rules that you both accept and agree to then it's just violence right as rush used to say the world is governed by the aggressive use of force so politics is just the way that we avoid the use of force but that's always in the back pocket right that's the there's another line i saw years ago is something like politics is the art of saying nice doggy while you reach for a rock (laughs) because nice doggy nice doggy it's And if you can keep the dog at bay, great. But if that dog starts attacking you, you get a hold of that rock and you whack him in the face, right? That's how that... I'm not advocating... I'm not advocating dog abuse, animal cruelty. I'm not advocating. It's just an old saying. So I completely agree. This is what the process is supposed to look like. I am okay with that process, the political process, being messy. I'm okay with that. Because I know that if this... Fails, as Stan said, then usually it's people settling scores through violence, and that's that's the antithesis of society, right? Because war is the breakdown of law. Yeah, there are no laws, right? You do whatever you need to do. A um, couple of the things, though, that the uh, Freedom Caucus—and that's who's generally leading this effort. Although I will point out, there are some Freedom Caucus members who are voting. For McCarthy, um, one of the rules and Dan Bishop mentioned this, Congressman Bishop said one of the uh, rules that they got included uh, in the 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 rule changes that McCarthy adopted that he that he had said, OK, this is what I've agreed to. One is a rule that's designed to limit bills to a single subject. I like it. I've always liked it. I don't think you should be cramming all of these different bills together. But look, this is a. And kudos to McCarthy at least for doing it, right? For adding that to the list of of concessions. To me, that's a no brainer. It's an easy one. But when you're trying to get your opponents on the record, like, this is this is how corrupted like all of this has become. And I don't mean corrupted like give me money and all that stuff. Uh, I mean corrupted just ethically. You know, it's I'm gonna I'm gonna run a bunch of bills that, or I'm gonna run a bill with a bunch of different issues inside of the bill in order to run attack ads against you because I know you won't support the bill that has this other unrelated thing. Right, So I'm going to pass a bill that's like, we love apple pie, oh, but then I'm also going to stick in a ban on abortions. And so I know Democrats won't vote for it. And then I'm going to run a campaign saying they're against apple pie. Democrats hate apple pie, which I'm sure is going to go far with the, the uh, apple pie-hating demographic, but otherwise... Not so much for everybody else. So I I like this idea. One, uh, One issue, one subject per bill. That is a good idea. Another change that the Freedom Caucus secured is a ban on the Rules Committee practice of waiving points of order against amendments that violate the House's germaneness rule. What does all of that mean? Congressman Dan Bishop explained this also. He said that the Rules Committee has this practice of basically rewriting rules, hence being the rules committee at all. Um, they, they rewrite the rules and they basically ban amendments from being offered on the floor by members of the House during debate on a bill. But that's exactly where amendments should be made, especially if you have broken the committee system, right?, the appropriations committees are broken. All of these things are broken. They don't function. They don't operate because the founders, in their wisdom, failed to see, failed to contemplate or envision a time when members of Congress would willingly give up their power to other branches. They, the whole idea was right to pit the different branches against each other and then pit the different levels of government against each other, federal versus state versus city and local, right? Like that was the, everybody would be trying to protect their own turfs. And what that meant was by pitting the politicians, the electeds against each other, the people would be most protected. Not in all cases, not every time, but generally speaking, they would be the most protected because if I've got a political opponent or somebody at a different level that's trying to take power away from me, I'm going to fight against that person. And the the people in the, the constituency that I have, they would be best served because I'm fighting this usurpation of power, right? somebody's trying to do something to my constituents that's going to take power away from me because they're imposing it on me so i'm going to represent their interests quote unquote <laughs> by making sure i don't lose power that's the brilliance of the system what they never contemplated was people in congress that would be willing to say nah you know what i don't uh, i don't really need to do anything i'll just pull in my 180k a year and um you know fundraise like a madman and uh you know get to travel all over the world be an important person and i'll just uh i'll just you know post stuff on tiktok i'll just post videos on twitter that's a, that's all i'm interested in they never contemplated that and so that's a that's a problem so this committee this rules committee would basically prevent people from debating bills in uh in congress so they they got rid of that as part of the one of the new rules Uh, They also, the package also sets up a vote, so this is not um, done yet, but there would be a vote on a resolution that would establish a select judiciary subcommittee to centralize investigations into the executive branch, and it would be called the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. Okay, see now this brings me to my next criticism which is that this is also holding up, like you can agree with all of this, but on the other side, it's holding up that very thing. The subpoenas, the investigations, because what happens, by the way, does McCarthy so want power? Does he enter into an agreement with the Democrats that would short circuit any investigation of Biden? Or the FBI? Right, does... Does he block that from occurring in order to get the crown? And do Democrats take that deal? I bet they would. I bet they would. still have some time, by the way, to get over to Light the Nights Festival at Truist Field in uptown Charlotte. Go check out. It's a, it really is an amazing setup they've got over there uh, with the ice skating rink, the snow tubing hill. It's like 150 feet long. It's like six lanes on the thing. Um, they have the light shows, live entertainment, shopping, tons more to do. Uh, take the family there. It's brought to you in part by Piedmont Natural Gas. Share the warmth. It's the Light the Nights Festival. At Truist Field in Uptown. Um, let's see here. Do, 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 do. So some of the other changes. I was going through, going over the uh, the Freedom Caucus demands. Some of these have been met and are proposed changes for the way the House operates, and some of them have not been met. Um, a lot of them are budget related. Some of this stuff is really in the weeds. The GOP replaced, this is according to, hang on, I should tell you where I'm getting this from. This is from uh, Roll Call by Lindsay McPherson. Rollcall.com. The GOP replaced Democrats' preferred pay-as-you-go rule, which requires legislation adding to the deficit to be offset with spending cuts or tax increases. Right? So the Republicans replaced that. Instead of pay-as-you-go, it's cut-as-you-go which only requires offsets if bills increase mandatory spending within a five-year or 10-year budget window. What does this mean? It means Republicans can pass tax cuts that would add to the deficit, which they've already signaled that they plan to do because their last tax cut law is getting ready to expire. Right. So this, to me, this is a problem. Like I don't like I, but I believe tax cuts generate more economic activity. Now that's another part of it in the tax cutting spirit like you would have to have a, a more comprehensive view as to how much revenue is coming in and all this and I'm not going to go into the weeds on that. But this is sort of the this is sort of the point that they they're trying to get a hold the these anti-McCarthyites are trying to to, to get a hold on the the spending And you do that through the rules and it's really boring stuff. And as Congressman Bishop noted as a lawyer, like you can't, you can't write a law that's going to prevent all of this stuff from happening. People are going to be able to find ways around it. This is politics, right? They're going to, they're going to find ways around these rules. They can only do so much with the rules. Um, Also, Uh, Another rule they want, the tax cuts would require the CBO and Joint Committee on Taxation to incorporate macroeconomic effects on tax cuts. Things like uh, economic output and employment. They want that to be part of the official cost estimates for major legislation, um, which I guess is not the case now, which is kind of amazing. Other changes in the package include the January 6th select committee, which is not being renewed has to transfer its records to the House Administration Committee by January 17th. They want to establish a select oversight committee, a subcommittee, with up to 12 GOP members, five Democrats, to investigate the origins of the coronavirus. They want to reduce the time for floor votes from five minutes to two minutes they want to change the name of two this is not all by the way freedom caucus stuff these are just all of the rule changes that are being proposed so some of these are from the from the from McCarthy as well and and the quote rhinos um they want to change the names of two committees whatever so oversight reform would become oversight and accountability and education and labor would then become education and the workforce committee serious stuff you know Direct the ethics committee to establish a process for members of the public to flag potential violations. By wow, here there's a bunch of people. Yeah, there's a bunch of people that used to work at Twitter that now may be available to do that kind of moderation. Of, I didn't even get to the Twitter files today. Matt Taibbi did another two rounds yesterday. Um, oh yeah, and uh, Adam Schiff. Yeah, that guy who's. Uh, all about posturing and signaling and, you know, shaming people on the censorship issue. I'm not for censorship. I oppose censorship. Turns out Adam Schiff's office sent a whole bunch of names over to Twitter to get him banned. One of whom was a journalist, Paul Sperry. Because Paul Sperry was investigating the Russia collusion hoax. So Adam Schiff tried to get him shut down. Um, Yeah, that was yesterday's Twitter files dump. We'll get to that tomorrow, too. My show is basically already prepped for tomorrow. That's what happens. I, I, I do so many topics, and then I start doing this stuff, and then I end up on, like, one topic for the whole show. <laughs> uh, what else they got? to? Have? Allowing only non-government witnesses to participate in hearings remotely. That means government officials must testify in person. Striking a rule. Allowing the Washington, D.C. mayor and governors of U.S. territories access to the House chamber. Okay, I don't... It's like some of this stuff I don't understand where it's coming from or, or why. And frankly, I, I don't really care to. There's establishing rules for considering various bills Republicans plan to take up in early January. Directing House officials to broaden the availability of documents in machine-readable formats. And continue improving the electronic document repository. Like okay. Good, that's I mean, good, but is that, really what's, is that really what's causing all the problems here? I don't think so, right? Um, then I have this from uh, Jim Garrity, National Review. House Republicans who don't want McCarthy to be Speaker uh, haven't put forth a viable alternative. Keyword there, I would say, is viable. Back in November, former Chairman of the House Freedom Caucus Andy Biggs of Arizona launched a protest challenge. McCarthy won it, 188-31. to 31. A bit more than 85% of House Republicans are unified behind the man who's been House Deputy Whip, Majority Whip, then Majority Leader, then Minority Leader. McCarthy is the ultimate known quantity, a figure almost every House Republican has worked with over the past decade. He says it's a little tougher to get a sense of why the fight matters so much to the average conservative or Republican. It's very hard to beat something with nothing until a House Republican who is popular with his or her colleagues, expresses a desire to be speaker. The infighting is just going to go in circles, with McCarthy falling just short of the 218 votes necessary. He laid out his agenda in the commitment to America, which was unveiled during the midterms. It's fine, you know. I mean, Jim Garrity is not like a huge booster for McCarthy. He's like, eh, you know, like, whatever. Any alternative to McCarthy would pursue a similar agenda. The sooner Republicans resolve who the next speaker will be, the sooner they can turn their focus to getting rules changed and bills passed. This feels like a lot of horse trading over rank and ego, with little consequences for what actually gets done in the House this cycle. They are getting ready to start. Yeah, they're getting ready to start, I believe, the sixth round of voting. Probably not going to have enough folks either today, too. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.